When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi there, and welcome to Comedy Album Book Club, the podcast where we listen to a comedy album and then talk about it. I'm your host, Jason DeLine, an actor and comedy enthusiast, and in addition to the album discussions, I, along with my producer, Matt Ardill, also interview members of the comedy community. Today's interview is part of our Juno series. The Juno Awards are Canada's answer to the Grammys, an annual recognition of musical artists that started in 1970. 2019 is the second year to present awards for Best Comedy Album after a 33-year hiatus for the category. Today, I talked to Juno-nominated comedian Dave Merhej about his album, Good Friend, Bad Grammar. Hello. Hey, is this Dave? This is Dave, correct. Hey, Dave, it's Jason DeLine calling with Comedy Album Book Club. How you doing? How are you doing? Good, man. Good. So you're in L.A. right now, yeah? Yeah, I'm just visiting for a few weeks. Okay. Yeah, you live in New York now? Uh, correct, yeah. I've been there for about, since 2017, so of, uh, of May. Okay, cool. And uh, are you liking it? <laughs> I do like it. Uh, I, um, it's a fun city. The comedy's fun there. I, I have, a, I have like... Like some close friends that live there, so that that always helps out. Yeah, totally. It must be weird though when you leave a community like Toronto that's so small, right? And you know a lot of people and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I, but I've been like I lived in LA for two years, so I left like Toronto around I think 2015, 16. So I'm used to got a little bit used to that for the last four years or five. Yeah. I don't remember. Fair enough. Do you feel like uh, the more you kind of travel around that it's sort of all the same, or do you feel like there's a different flavor in Toronto, New York, L.A., Detroit? Um, every city probably has its unique vibe to it, I, I, I assume. Um, uh, well, not assume, but I feel it. Like, you'll go to Detroit, you'll go to Toronto, they have, you know, different rooms, you'll see different styles and stuff, but generally, like, I... Uh, you know, obviously New York and LA is just bigger population wise, uh, comedy scene wise, is just a larger scale. More people you're going to see, more shows, uh, more clubs. Do you feel like uh, it's more of a thing? Like, I've been to LA a few times and I feel like it's more of a thing there in the States, I think, where people think of it as a night out. Whereas here, I think in Toronto, you really have to sell people on the idea and drag people to come out. I feel like it's up there with just bowling or dinner and a movie in the States. Do you feel that? Um, I think, you know, I don't, I think just LA, like uh, both places, people are always, you know, New York people are going out, you got tourists, tourism and stuff. So people, a lot of people are, are I, I don't know specifically, but just mm-hmm. being there, I'll hear people from out of, uh, like, especially in New York, people like are coming from other places to check out the cellar or check, check out other comedy clubs. So there's like a big tourism 
component to those places. Um, Toronto as well. You know, I think Toronto's getting better. I think a lot of people, like, it's it's uh, not as hard to get people out to shows with clubs like the Comedy Bar, Absolute Yucks, um, The Corner. I think people are more excited about that city's comedy than it has been, I believe. Cool. Yeah, no, I think we got some great promoters working in this city, too, really trying to convince the top names that this is a city worth seeing, you know, worth coming to. Yeah, it's grown. Like, I, I wouldn't, like, you know, I, I think it's grown. Uh, I, I've noticed it with, like, in, over time that it's, like, much, it isn't such a, a drag to get people out. Cool. So congrats on your Juno nomination for good friend, uh, bad grammar. Was this a surprise or something you worked towards or what? Um, well, we just worked towards getting, um, like originally it's a, it's a video, like it's a, it's shot like as a, as a special. That's a drink, right? Original goal. Yeah. So that was the original goal. We wanted to just to produce a dope pro I did personally. I wanted just to, to put out a dope ass album, a dope ass video uh, special. Sorry. So I worked with Millen and Morgan Millen at Macau studios and, and his, and the people, uh, everyone that worked with us filming, it was amazing. So the goal was just to make the dopest shit out, the funniest shit out, the shit that, you know, I wanted everyone to fuck with. And then the Juno thing was just, it was amazing. It was, uh, um, like, you know what I mean? Like, it, to to have that was, yeah, I didn't really expect that. Right. And, and so what what was the process of making it an album? Because this, re- this recorded in May of 2016. The album didn't drop for two years after that. So, so what happened in between to decide to put it out as an album? Uh, well, that I think we we just uh, the album just came eventually. Like we put it out. It, it took two years to put the video out in a sense that we we were um, trying to shop it around, pitch it, and, and editing and getting it to the to the right place we wanted to. It took about two years. And then we put it out as a video, um, and then followed. We were like, let's put it out as a, as an album. And then the artwork was done was was done by Bronson. So we we spent time on that getting. Um, that original cover, and then there's another cover that we have too. So we spent we it was within those two years there was editing, as you know, mm-hmm. just to get it to the right place that we all wanted it to get. And the editor was is amazing, and he, he did a terrific job. And then from there we started to, you know, we wanted to we had a goal and we had specific places we wanted to target. And then the album we knew eventually we put out as an album, but the main focus was video. Mm-hmm. Is it all taken from just one performance? Uh, there was two shows that night. Okay, cool. And we kept everything in. I kept, like, there, if you watch the video or listen to the album, there was a bottle that dropped. There was cameras yeah. talking. I kept all that shit in. Yeah, yeah, it sounds very seamless. I want it to be as authentic as possible. Do you feel like you got to do everything exactly how you wanted to do Oh yeah, they were dope. Sorry for my language, but they were dope. I was gonna say fuck. They were just dope, in a sense. <laughs> Sorry, they uh, they let me do what that that was the whole goal. We wanted to shoot something where it could capture uh, every my voice and and my style and everything that you know with no no restrictions. That was the whole goal, and they and uh, luckily we were able to do that. They were just very like, yo man, do whatever you want. <laughs> we can follow you with the camera. 
So if you want to get off the stage, that's fine. So it was it was a it was a very fun experience that I'll never forget. So when you go to taking something a, a video where you're you know sort of off the chain doing everything you want to do the way you want to do it, when you get to the point of making an album, do you have to think about cutting bits that are physical or something? Do you, do you think about that process about will this be accessible for the ears? Um, no, I didn't, I didn't really think about, I didn't really think uh, in a sense like that when I originally just performed, I just was like, I'm just going to give the best performance. So whatever happens after that happens. And if we have to like, if it doesn't land in that sense, then I guess it is what it is. But I, I didn't want to like think like that prior to filming it. Yeah, fair enough. That that sort of takes the, it makes it disingenuous, I guess, if you feel already, if you're already thinking yeah. bad about cutting out what doesn't work, right? That's not an honest thing. Do you feel like, uh, do you feel like comedy is a place for uh, honest performance and truth? More different than other, um, than other ways you perform? Look, like it, like, what do you mean? Like it's, it's a better, like we should be more honest in our platform. Well, I just wonder, like, I mean, it, it's one of the few platforms uh, that we have where it's it's spoken word and it's unedited for a performance for people, you know, and uh, I, like I feel people people believe a lot of the things that are said in there uh, in, a, in a comedy set and they, they sort of treat it like like it's the truth, but said in a funny way. And of course, it depends on the type of uh, comedian you are. Some people are political and are, are speaking truth to power and some people are more observational. But some things that I'm curious about is it, it seems that comedians don't want to admit maybe that not every story is true because I, I know comedians connect very much with audience through stories, but a lot of it is made up. And do you think that, you know, there's, there's a bit of truth in some of it and some of it's made up just to, just to craft a good story. Do you think it's important that the audience believes everything that, that, that we don't sort of take that, pull back the curtain and let them know it's not all real, like a magic trick. Oh yeah. Um, you know what, man? I think, uh, yeah, I don't, you know, I, I personally like do what you got to do up there. That, mm -hmm. that's, you know, it's none of my. If this is if this is what you feel that your truth is, this is what you want to rock with. That's you. That's you. I'm not gonna sit here and, and tell you what to do or what not to. You know what I'm saying? To pull the the current back or not? Like that's not. You know, it's your art. This is what the hell you want to do. Right. This is your dream. And as for the audience, that you know, you could. I you know, they could take it as how they want to take it. I guess. I, that's how I, you know. That's the because it's a personal, intimate thing for the performer. And that's right. the relationship between the performer and that particular audience that I feel right. like is like, that's not for me. And it's the mm -hmm. same way of like, you know, um, you, 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 like I have stories that are very, very true and stuff like that. There's obviously like little things that you, you know, you play with. Right. You know, like it's crazy. You know, sometimes when it's too true, it may not be funny. Right. You you might think about something that you, you could say that's a better tag on the end of the story or something. So you yeah, that so in. it's just, uh, it's all, uh, you know, I, I think just think it's an intimate performance between you and the crowd that night or that wherever it's at. I don't like when you're... it's on. Uh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I do, I do like when it's on, like, you know, I do enjoy when it's honest, but I also enjoy silly shit. Like, do you know what I mean? I'm not gonna, like, I don't, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I don't, I'm not going to 
be like um, snobby and be like, man, I only want the real shit. Like, right. <laughs> I do like, I really enjoy silly shit. It's, it, you know, so. Yeah. If, if we, if I saw both of your shows at the Drake that night, how different would they be? Um, they were different in yeah. a sense that like, yeah, they were delivered. Like it wasn't delivered the same. They were different. It was because I went off what the crowd was like. Right. You know what I'm saying? So it was like, I, that's how I, uh, how I performed it. I was like, you know what I mean? I'm not going to be as rigid. Me right. personally. Like, I didn't want to do that. Like, I was just like, I'm going to go up and like, however I feel in that moment and however that joke feels in that moment and how the audience feels. So I kept it, um, as I tried to keep it as organic as I could. Is that what you normally do? Is that how you normally perform? Yeah, I like doing it that way, man. I like it in a sense that like, if I feel something that night, I'm not going to ignore it just to get the joke off. Mm. Right, right. Do you know what I mean? I that, that my I've just been that's how I've been like when I've been coming up. That's what I enjoyed. I was like I just like enjoy I enjoyed organic moments. I like like being in the room and stuff like that. That's the type of stuff that would entertain myself. And that's cool. I, yeah. So yeah, I've I've seen people thrown and by it, that, and and you feel yeah. bad for them. <laughs> Well, I, I spent like a lot of years practicing. Like it wasn't like I was right. like, like the first. You know what I mean? Like I was bombing. <laughs> right. I was, they were staring at me for a long time. Like, what the fuck is this dude trying to tell me right now? So it was like a thing that I worked on for for like a long, long, long time to the to where I could feel comfortable and 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 risk going into whatever was happening for like ten, fifteen minutes per se. Right. And then just bouncing back. So it was all it's all being in the gym, technically. Yeah, cool. Do you do you remember? I mean, you started at a young age uh, in Windsor and Detroit. Do you do you remember your first introduction to comedy? What what grabbed you about it? Um, I think I, I oh yeah, I saw Richard Pryor. I think it was with, with, oh, wow. uh, with my mom. It was not live, like obviously, but like on right. TV, he did the bit about the heroin and the wino, like about like play, he was playing characters about. And then my uncle Brian. My aunt married, we're Lebanese, she married a Canadian dude, he's still in the family, uh, he he would show me Eddie Murphy, he showed me Delirious, and he showed me Andrew Dice Clay, and then Pryor, so I would be at his house with my cousins and my sister and family, and then he would show it. Wow. And that was, that was introduced that way. And Do you have also, a... To be honest, uh, go ahead. No, no, please. Oh, we watched, like, me and my sister watched, like, Soul Train and, like, award shows. And then also late night shows. That was, like, our, I don't know what, what drew us to that, but we watched that heavy. I think even before I watched stand-up. So you're seeing a lot of really tight, refined bits then and things like that. To be honest, I wanted to be an entertainer first. Like, I didn't know anything really until, like, 14, I think, about comedy. Like, I just wanted to entertain. Like, that that's, like, what what amused me. So then, uh, Like, then as I a host like or something? Them. Or what kind of entertainment? Anything, anything, like, actor. I think actor. Like, any. I just didn't have, grasp it. I just wanted to be, like, the things I saw on TV. Like, I would make my mom laugh by making fun of my aunt, her sister. So, like, I just didn't, you know, it was certain. I just didn't have the knowledge of stand-up, I guess, until, like, an older age. So are you one of these people who sort of has a, a soft spot for like the golden age of television? Do you enjoy the history of, of TV and performing and stuff like that? 
Well, I just like as a kid, I watched all like, you know, like Martin, uh, the TV show Martin, the Wayne's Brothers, mm-hmm. Home Improvement, Roseanne. Um, I'm trying to think of, of what uh, of what else. Family Matters, uh, mm-hmm. Three's Company, all those all like the classics like that. Like we, I was inundated by watching that. Um, uh, one of my full house, dude, GGF Fridays, all that <laughs> shit was so dope. Mr. Hangover with Mr. Cooper, um, yeah, LL yeah. Cool J sitcom, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. I just wanted to personally just do stand up, find my voice and get into that, like get into acting like that. Like as I'm, I'm being a, a teen, I was like, yo, right. if I could just grow, you know, like do stand up and then parlay that into getting on a TV show like like I saw when I was a kid. Yeah, when you're a kid, it just seems like the best job in the world, right? Just to make people laugh and be centered yeah. on something. Um, so were you listening to any albums at this time? Did, were you a comedy album fan? Um, Like to get ready for it or just in general? Just in general. Um, I would I, I I listen to Kevin Hart's Seriously Funny is one of my favorite one I love that album, uh, Hannibal Buress's album. Um, I don't yeah. I'm and then I just listened to my buddy Zoltan's album that came out. I'm I'm trying to get the time. I think I watched the rap battle to get hyped for it. That, oh yeah, yeah, that was my have thing. You, that and what? Have you done any of that rap battles? I will not. I did it once a long time ago. Comedic rap battle was awful. Yeah. I will never do that to anybody in a building. I cannot rap. I just enjoy all of that aspect of music. I will not. Uh, there's no. There's no Donald Glover in me at all. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, speaking of music, your album ends with "Somewhere" by BBRC. Um, are you close with those guys? What made you choose that song? Oh, you know BBRC. Yeah. Oh yeah, Toronto. Bronson. Bronson. Yeah, yeah. Bronson's the guy. He's a he's a he's a, he's a homie man. He's the one that did the album cover. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, he did. Uh, he did the one we we kind of like um, influenced by the Source magazine, if you could tell. Like that was the like you know the Source. We, yeah, yeah. Like, right. He made it like a magazine, and then he Amazing. also we took the he he's so he's so dope. He took the uh, Good Kid, Mad City cover, and he flipped it. I have a family photo as a child. And we we just did the same cover, and then blacked wow. out our eyes. And he did that was his idea. He he was there with me for the all the art, like promoting and all that stuff. All his designs. He's super super good at that. And then there there I, I DJ Dopey I know as well from um, when I worked at MTV Live. And then we just be, stayed uh, stayed home homies. And then they support we support yeah I I support them and I know Great. I know them. Bronson awesome. the Bronson and Dopey the most. Cool. And so, uh, so I knew I knew that song, but I don't know what starts the song. It's got this great, this great song that really pumps people up, and it segues into the intro and then to you, and it's just a, it's a really great, vibrant way to start the album. Well, what is it? Fuck, well, I got I got I knew the name, bro. I got to ask my agent. He's, he's okay. the one that found it. And I that one, if you remember it, if you Shazam that, it it. Uh, your album comes up. It doesn't. Shazam doesn't know what that song is. So I yeah, wondered I if it was something original. Man. Okay, no, no worries. I can find, <laughs> I can find it for you. <laughs> All right, yeah, we'll, we'll figure it out later and put it in the notes uh, with the interview along with the artwork. For sure. Um, 
but yeah, that uh, was that your decision to to start with with music like that. I mean, of course, in the live venue, it makes sense to do that, but it, it sounds great on the album. Was it uh, was that a long process to figure out what you wanted, or uh, yeah. You I reached out to like some people and then I, and then I kicked it. Then I, then I knew Braun and then we, we vibed because I, you know, I had their albums. So we vibed and then um, he, he came up with some and he sent it to me. I was just like, I'm into that. So it was like a process, like I'm searching and looking and talking to people and feeling it out. The night we had, um, uh, I just, I, you know, I played rap music in the back. Like it was very, very, yeah, I wanted that vibe that night, like a hip hop rap type vibe all night. Cool. I just think for me, it helps, gets me in the mood. Cool. Um, there's some stuff on there that uh, I feel like not everybody could do. You do, you do jokes about, you know, uh, different races and, and you do accents and things like that. Um do you find that's dangerous? Do you ever feel yourself wondering if you're crossing a line? Um, well, I think the accents I did were, were my dad, you know, right. I used to not do, see, this is the thing. I used to not do my dad's accent when I started and then I did it. And then people mostly like, like white comics, uh, would be like, it's hacky. Right. You know, they were always like, for some odd reason. And then, uh, the manager at the yuck yucks at the time in Windsor was like, what the fuck are you talking about? He goes, is that how your dad sounds? I go, yeah. And then he goes, who gives a shit? I remember where I was like, oh, yeah, you're right. It's just, what's funny to me about that is like when, when people say that it's hacky, it's like, yo, man, my dad still has that accent. Right. <laughs> like that yeah. accent is not like for entertainment. Like he still has to go to the bank and has to <laughs> go around the town, probably getting made fun of behind his back with that accent. So it's not hacky. It's like real life. That's what, what's so funny to me is like, you think I'm just using it as like, like I'm giggling with my dad that we have an inside joke of how we're making money off the cover. Like that's how he really talks, dude. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's funny. Like it, that, there's this weird, it's weird. Yeah. It's like a reverse racism. Like people it. are expecting everyone to have the same voice now, but that's oppressive yeah. in its own way. I mean, <laughs> you're, you're trying to like kill I'm these stories. To, uh, yeah. I'm not trying to make a racial, like we're going at white people. It's just funny to me. Right. I'm like, I, it's not hack. Like it's just, that's how he lives. Like you, like it's like he has his own, own dealings with that emotionally. Like, you know, you think he's pumped when he sees that fucking accent maybe being, being, being talked about, like this is his everyday life that he has sometimes struggles with. So I, mm -hmm. so when I do it, when it's about my family, it means a lot to me. Cause it's like, it's, I'm just expressing how he is in a, in a loving way. I'm not doing it to like mock him by any means. And then I think the yeah. other accent I do is the Persian, I think Persian one, but you know, I don't know. I don't. I wasn't trying to offend a Persians. It was just. It was about a guy I worked with. Um, yeah. Right. At, at a bookstore. So I was just trying to relay that that moment to people. And I can't remember the other accents. If I offended anyone with any other accents. Uh, do you do you feel differently? Do you feel like different uh, audiences, depending on like how they're made up, uh, appreciate your comedy differently or gravitate to to different parts of your comedy differently? Yeah, if you grew up like in a in a Middle Eastern household, like 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 I did, or or not like exactly like I did, you're it's gonna it's I think it's naturally gonna connect with you more because you could be like, oh, my mom and dad did that. 
whatever you went through. And that's always beautiful. I love that moment because we could all share it together. And then uh, it doesn't even have to be necessarily Middle Eastern. Like if you grew up in um, like, you know, I've, I've had Irish people, Scottish people tell me, it's just, I guess the way my, I was raised, they might've been raised the same way or their parents mm. had the same quirks. And that's always great. It's powerful, right? That's yeah, that's yeah. the interesting thing yeah. about comedy and storytelling is it can it can bridge gaps in, in strange ways, and people can realize, oh, you know, we yeah. do have more similarities than maybe we we thought we did. Exactly. Um, do I, and even like the story about going into the hip hop boutique, like people would be like, "Dude, I I go to those places," and it was like kind of I thought it was not niche, but like you know, it's just like a very uh, obscure thing. And then people will be like, dude, I go to this shop and they do the same thing to me. So that's like funny in that aspect of how it relates there. Right. Oh, yeah. It's interesting to think how you might start a story saying, you know, this is this is how we're singularly well, singled out through racism. But then you realize that it's also a bonding experience because you're not alone in that. Yeah. Um, it's kind of a strange place to find <laughs> kinship with people. But uh, yeah, and dope at the same time. Yeah, right. Um, so I also know you've got this show coming up on Hulu, Rami. Yeah, they just announced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about it and, and what and what you're doing on it? I'm. Uh, I play one of the friends on the show of his. Um, I cool. you know. Uh, I, it was a fun experience filming and, and I'm excited for it and not because I'm uh, in it. I don't sound, it could be sound biased, but it's, 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 it's dope, man. I'm excited for people um, to see it and watch it. I think it's, cool. uh, it, it, I think it's, it, it was done super well and it's, and it's funny and it's, uh, and it's got like meaning to it. It's good. It's great, man. Great. I How did you get involved? I uh, have known Rami for years through stand up, and like we were like friends. We're friends. Um, okay, and, cool. Uh, I had auditioned. Uh, to, I remember two years ago, a year ago, I think. I don't know why my memory is not that good right now, but I auditioned, and then we did the pilot, or I was in the I was in the pilot, and then yeah, and then when I got picked up, we filmed uh, in the fall. Amazing. In New York, just this past fall, yeah. That's huge. That's great, man. Uh, one last question. What yeah. is the story behind the one, two, three, baka chicken noise at the end of the album? Wait, what the... Oh, like the production? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, it's like a little thing. Yeah, that was... yeah is that your little, uh, your kind of your production company like logo thing? Uh, dude, I remember he, I saw it and I was like, well, I didn't, I don't know what the, I was, I thought it was a glitch or something. I was like, what? I didn't, I didn't even ask. I can ask, I can ask Morgan. I can ask okay. them. I didn't so even that's know not you. When you, when you yeah. No, 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 no. That's the, that's, that's the product. They took care of that. Okay. Fair enough. And, uh, are you getting, uh, <laughs> are you getting, uh, are you getting play with this album? What's, uh, what's it like for like, is XM playing it? Stuff like that. Um, they yeah, of course. XM um, is is a big and can in Canada is a huge support. Man, I owe them a fucking a lot. I swear because of how, how much they they support. Awesome. Ben, ben Miner is like super dope, man. He uh, like he's supportive of all the comedians, man. He he's eager to help and he wants people to put their albums out. So I shout out to Ben Miner and everyone at XM. 
Um, they got it's on Apple, uh, iTunes, uh, Vimeo. Um, it's on my website, like the video act uh, of it. And yeah, and um, uh, I stand by it. I said it like a politician. <laughs> <laughs> no man, it's great. I no, stand by it. <laughs> we feel we feel the love, man. Um, well, listen. Thank you, thanks man. so much for talking to me, Dave. Thank you, and uh, Thank you, man. next time you're in Toronto, maybe we'll sit down and we'll listen to uh, Kevin Hart or Hannibal, and uh, and we'll talk about talk about an album for a while. Um, but yeah, until then, awesome. Uh, until then, uh, good luck at the Junos. And uh, thank you very much, man. Yeah, man. We're looking forward to seeing what comes next. Same here, man. Thank you. Thank you so much. Cheers. My thanks to Dave Merhej. Make sure you subscribe to Comedy Album Book Club to listen to the other interviews and episodes. We have more interviews this week with Pat Thornton, Mace Galoni, and Deborah DiGiovanni. And our next album episode will feature our guests Grace Smith and Ryan Hughes. We'll be discussing Simply the Beth by Beth Stilling. Until then, I'm Jason DeLine. Thanks for listening to Comedy Album Book Club. Grand Canyon University, an affordable private Christian university, is one of the largest and fastest growing universities in the country, offering more than 270 programs online. In addition to federal grants and aid, GCU's online students received nearly $130 million in institutional scholarships in 2022. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu slash myoffer to see the scholarships you may qualify for.